Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, you are about to listen to a rewind episode. And it's not that much of a rewind. It's pretty recent as far as history goes, but I just really love this episode. I'm really proud of it. I'm really grateful to have met our guest, Dahab Kashi. He just has insight that I think a lot of people need to hear, especially as a Israeli American right now. And, um, yeah, I just find his voice very valuable and it's worth a re-listen. So here it is. Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Could Happen Here. This is Shireen and I am so happy to be joined by my guest today. I've been so excited to speak to him. I am joined by D.V. Kashi. He is a pro-Palestinian activist from New York and Israel and... There's just a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. So welcome. Pleasure to be here. Great to meet you, Shireen. I want to start with just some background for the audience to just like kind of get to know where the perspective you're speaking from. Can you tell me a little bit about your family history and where you grew up and where your parents are from and all of that? Sure. My parents were both born in Israel and they, like many Israelis, moved to uh, New York City in the 80s and had uh, myself and my two siblings, and uh, as my grandparents were getting older, uh, to whom we were very close, um, my mom decided to move back to Tel Aviv uh, when I in two thousand, so um, right before the second intifada. And um, we, uh, so so when I was thirteen, eighth grade, I moved to Tel Aviv for the first time. And, you know, obviously I was very familiar with it, like visit every summer. Um, 
and you know grew up in 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 our grandparents' house, uh, both of whom were uh, Iraqi uh, Jews who immigrated to Israel in the early fifties. Um, and so yeah, so when I moved there uh, in eighth grade, I was uh, completely pretty much uh, a shock in terms of what I was used to in New York. Obviously, I had friends from many different walks of life, uh, many different backgrounds here. Uh, I was very used to that, right? I I didn't grow up in, you know, a very staunch Jewish community. I had Jewish friends, but uh, I didn't solely have Jewish friends. Um, And so that's what I loved. That's what I embraced. Uh, But when I moved to Israel, uh, it was very jarring, you know, I'd studied in Hebrew for the first time, and you know everything that we studied in school was uh, pertaining to the Jewish identity. Um, so every kind of history class, you know, you'd study about the Roman Empire and the Jewish people. You'd study about you know ancient Greece and the Jewish people, and it's okay to learn about uh, Jewish identity, uh, but intertwining it with every aspect of the school curriculum uh, and really thinking about. Uh, the persec- really kind of hammering home this notion of persecution, um, really kind of understanding how, um, you know, and, and again, uh, I think it's important to understand uh, your history uh, and history in general. But I think that kind of introducing this notion of persecution as a tactic to re-traumatize people that aren't directly experiencing the trauma, Right. Um, so everyone in the world uh, learns about the Holocaust, but did you know that in Israel, Holocaust Remembrance Day isn't on the same day as the rest of the world's Holocaust Remembrance Day? Because they want to own their own kind of version of the Holocaust Remembrance Day, right? And so, you know, when you think about the Holocaust, you think about other Holocaust, uh, other uh, genocides that have happened and Israel's failure to recognize those genocides, like the Armenian genocide, right? Um and the fact that, you know, many people don't know, but, you know, throughout history, Israel has armed genocidal forces with Israeli-made weapons uh, to, you know, support imperialist uh, motives and colonialist uh, uh, powers around the world. So, you know, even even now with uh, what's happening uh, in Armenia with the Azerbaijanis, right, Israel is on the wrong side of that uh, uh, equation, right? And so it's never been about... Uh, standing with the side of the oppressed for Israel. It's never been about, um, you know, uh, ensuring that what happens when they say never again, actually never again, uh, never happens again to anyone around the world, right? Think about their policies, their racist policies around um, um, refugees, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think people don't understand, right? I have a very unique perspective because I understand kind of the, the the minds of the colonizers. I can humanize the colonizers. I think there's a dangerous uh, kind of maybe thinking about uh, things from a, a bit of a different angle than, than kind of people are used to. And also bringing it back to the events of the last 10 days or 11 days at this point. I think, you know, I've always kind of looked at and, and identified with the Palestinian struggle, right? And I've always seen it as a human rights struggle, right? And, you know, as such, and as many well-regarded activists and thinkers and intellectuals uh, have always talked about the unification of all the struggles of the oppressed. And that's always always arrived at 
the identification with this struggle for the Palestinian people. I've also felt, um, you know, by virtue of this self, this imposed identity of, you know, Israeli, um, I've always felt directly responsible for the oppression of the Palestinian people, even though I've never done anything myself um, to champion or perpetuate that oppression. I've always worked against it from a very, very young age. Now, people always ask me, you know, kind of annoying questions like, you know, why do you care so much about the Palestinians when so many people in the world are suffering? And the answer to that question is I care about all suffering. uh, But this is something that the government that supposedly represents me, the, the entity that supposedly represents me is directly perpetrating. And frankly, after going to many protests in New York and in Israel itself, I've realized that this is the most important human rights struggle of our generation, for sure, but of modern times, Mm -hmm. because it stands for all of, it's essentially the last beacon of direct colonialism, right? We all know how kind of neocolonialism works. I mean, maybe we do, maybe we don't, Uh, but neocolonialism through, you know, different um, capitalist structures, right? America has been able to uh, perpetrate um, uh, co- uh, neocolonialism without actually having to occupy uh, other people, you know, son, uh, uh, save for Iraq for almost 20 years, but uh, or 15 years or whatever uh, uh, it was, a very long time. Um, but, but Israel is directly and physically occupying another people, and they have been for the last 75 years, right? Officially for the last 75 years. Um, and that's been a constant right? It's not, hey, you know, here's a country and let's, you know, fight, let's continue our, 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 our kind of battle in that way. It's been, it's always been, if, you, if you're a scholar of uh, Israeli history, of Zionist history, you always, you, you start understanding that the goal was to take over all of Judea and Samaria, right? And that's kind of how the settler government that uh, Netanyahu has in power uh, has been speaking for years, Right. I'm I'm really upset and really kind of frustrated by the way that the Western media has been portraying what's happening over the last 11 days, because even Israeli media, Haaretz, which is an Israeli newspaper, which is a very prominent one. Right. Isn't portraying it the way that the Western media is portraying it. Yeah. Right. They're that. criticizing the Netanyahu. There's so many people in Israel that are scared. Right. All the leftists are scared. They're being persecuted. They're signal groups doxing uh, friends of mine, people literally fighting for human rights. They're doxing them. Uh, Israel Frey, he's a, a, a orthodox uh, reporter that's that's been staunchly pro-Palestinian, uh, and he's a very prominent member of the press. Uh, an angry mob of right-wing extremists uh, um, tried to knock down his door the other day, and, and he had to ex- escape from the back door uh, and run away so they don't you know, potentially kill him. Right. And so these voices are being silenced in Israel. No one is talking about that. Everyone in the West is beating the drums of war. The media is supporting that. We've seen on on kind of a micro but tragic level what happened to that uh, uh, six-year-old kid that was stabbed to death by someone just because of the anti-Islamic, anti-Palestinian rhetoric that's being perpetrated. And so everyone's kind of losing their shit as all of a sudden everyone's saying the same thing. Because everyone is being pushed to justify this war. But people are starting to wake up, 
right? The UN's woken up and certain very, very slowly people are starting to wake up because they're seeing that genocide is actually being committed. And so you can't throw your full weight behind genocide, but they're walking it back too slowly. And the people that I'm disappointed by are people that are supposedly smart, spewing complete nonsense rhetoric about two sides, right? I struggled, right? This is important. I struggled. I know people who were killed in the Hamas attack, personally and intimately know them, right? Uh, you know, my ex-girlfriend's best friend was killed, right? She, we've hung out many, many, many times. She was a very sweet, very kind person. Uh, we know an activist who was literally, because people don't understand, and this is for a lot of the uh, kind of pro-Palestinians that have that, 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 and, and I, I completely empathize and I understand why people believe what they believe, believe me. Uh, but this is for a lot of the pro-Palestinians uh, that, you know, immediately called all of them settlers, right? And I think it's important to distinguish because if there's ever going to be a path forward in this mess, we have to offer a new rhetoric that deconstructs the nationalist ideologies, Okay. I don't put the Palestinian flag or say free Palestine, which I do, as a nationalist ideology. I say that as a deconstruction of nationalism, as a, as, as, as a call to freedom for all, right? The oppressed as well as the oppressor, right? If you actually read, everyone's quoting, um, everyone's quoting Fanon, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's quoting all these revolutionaries. If you actually read the material that they said, Che Guevara even said, the true revolutionary is guided by deep, with deep feelings of love in their heart. And he said this at the risk of sounding, uh, sounding absurd, he said that. Direct quote, the people perpetuating in Israel, I can say this from a firsthand account, I know very good people that are guided by nationalist and fascist ideologies. However, they've been manipulated, they've been lied to, they've, they're fed propaganda 24-7 through the news. And so the sentiment in Israel right now, and I can tell you this, I'm getting messages from people. They think everyone is trying to kill Jews. That's what they believe. That's what they've been told. They think this is Armageddon for the Jewish people. That's what the media narrative is in Israel. Okay? In spite of the fact that there are many people that are against what's happening, there are many people that directly blame Netanyahu for this, but they're being scared to believe that they're going to be attacked on all fronts. And they have to do everything they can to neutralize the threats. Okay? That is, that is the survival kind of that, – that is a fact. Does that mean that every single person in Israel is a terrible human being, is evil, as some people say? No, that is not true at all. Right? And, 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 and my point is – and what a lot of the revolutionaries said, right? Paulo Freire in, in the Pedagogy of the Oppressed said, in the process of dehumanization, the oppressor dehumanizes himself. Putting that aside, though – I think that, you know, for me, I, I see, I, I, I know people that died. I, I, it was very difficult for me to post in the first two days. I think there were some problematic justifications for the massacre uh, that didn't sit well with me because I'm a humanist. But in the same token, right, I think that I understand the context. I think it behooves us to understand the context, right? There's a really famous quote, I forget who said it, but if you started uh, uh, the clock uh, or started looking uh, at kind of the colonization in America from when the Native Americans started shooting the arrows, mm-hmm. you'd think that the Native Americans were the aggressors, right? If you started looking at, you know, 
the colonization of Algeria, uh, um, when the Alger- when the, the the local population started rebelling, you'd think that they were the aggressors, right? Yeah. And that's not to say, in the same breath, that terrible things happen to amazing people there, right? What people don't know, and a lot of the pro-Palestinian movement doesn't know, is that many of the people living in the area around Gaza are actually activists, like very anti-Zionist activists, right? The, many of the testimonies of the families of, the, of, of those activists are saying to stop the genocide. That's not going to bring back their friends, their family members. Those are the people that were, a lot of whom were killed in the attacks because that's where they live. They work with, you know, uh, organizations in Gaza. Like, acknowledge that, right? Understand the complexity. Saying, hey, you guys are all settlers. That's just dumb. It's not factually true. Their grandparents were, their great-grandparents were, 100%. But now, they're generations and generations of people, right? Just like in America, they're generations and generations of people that, that descended. Are they to be held accountable for the actions of their ancestors? Doesn't make any sense. They should be held accountable for actions that they take now, for sure. Right. Right. Holding your government accountable, you know, thinking about an actual solution to this terrible situation that 100 percent people should be held accountable for. But to call them settlers as a justification for their deaths is something that I will never do. Right. And I don't think it helps the struggle. Right. I think it's important to say and then simultaneously also say, did you guys know that Israel played a very major role in establishing the Hamas? Like. Don't be stupid. Open a history book. See what happened, right? Yeah. Understand. Don't just be quick to call and quick to say both sides. It's not a both sides situation, even though the aggression was terrible. Those, are, those two things can be true. Yeah. It's a devastating, tragic event, right? And I know many great people that were killed in it. But in the same breath, we have to remember what caused it. Yeah, context is everything. Right? Context is everything. Israel funded the Hamas. Bibi has direct quotes in Israeli newspapers saying we have to fund the Hamas in order for Palestinians never to have a state. He directly said that. How do you guys ignore these statements? They've been very, Bibi has been very clear as to what is going to happen and what he's trying to accomplish. And then on top of that, to compound things, uh, 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 the, the settlers uh, in his government right now, Itamar Bengvir and Smotrich, are two settlers. They literally are settlers. Like, in accordance with international law, they're considered settlers, okay? Illegal settlers. And they're the second and third most powerful people in Israel, okay? I don't think people understand or know, but those two guys, there's a, there's a famous rabbi, okay, in Jerusalem. He's an extremist, fundamentalist rabbi, Jewish fundamentalist rabbi. What he's been calling for, for a long time, Kana Tzedak is... Uh, Kahana was right. He was a very fascist rabbi that was basically calling for the extermination of all Arabs. And and they're basically, they're called Kahanistim. And that's, it's basically what the left in Israel used to call this government. Memshalashel Kahanistim means government of Kahanists. Okay. That is what, that's who's running the country. And this rabbi has been calling for in a biblical sense. And we all know when people ha- have an utmost, you know, devotion to religion, that guides them, right? Not our world. Our world does not guide them. The religious texts and the religious leaders are the ones who tell them what is right and what is wrong, right? In religious fundamentalism. 
And so what this rabbi has been calling for, for years, has been a war to end all wars. Okay? That is what he's been telling them. That is what they've been operating under. Okay? Their allegiances are to him, not to the Israeli people, like literally to that ideology. And so they're in the government right now. Over the last year, they've been essentially uh, 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 um, adding uh, uh, illegal settlements at a rapid rate, emboldening and empowering um, settlers uh, to commit violence that we haven't seen in many, many years. Levels of violence we haven't seen in many, many years, even before this latest aggression. I'm talking about over the last 12 months. And the biggest, most annoying thing that I hear from Westerners that think they understand, right? They're like, oh, yeah, um, we, we really care about Palestinians, but Hamas has to go. Two things to that. One, the fact that there are Palestinians on the West Bank and the pa- Palestinians in Gaza doesn't mean they're not the same people. There are Palestinians in 48 as well. They feel deep feelings of solidarity because they're all oppressed in different ways, right? It's solidarity under this, under this grand Zionist oppression that they experience. And so I think that it's, it's, it's a fallacy that it was an unprovoked attack. Yeah. It's a fallacy, right? It's not the case. The fact that Alexa kept getting uh, bombarded by settlers on purpose, on purpose, I don't put it back. Like they did this to get a, a, a provocation. They've been provoking to get the retaliation for Hamas. They've been doing this for years. This is nothing new, right? Every time Hamas shot rockets over the last five years, it was because Israel uh, was attacking Al-Aqsa, right? Right after Ramadan, if you remember, or yeah. during Ramadan, sorry. Um, and so every time a barrage of rockets came in, right after that, barrage of rockets, because Hamas wanted to show that someone is sticking up for them. But I'm just saying, you have to understand the context. When you're in a blockade, when you're living in a concentration camp, worse than a concentration camp, frankly, right? Every, electricity is controlled. Water is controlled. Food is controlled. You're not able to leave, right? You're not able to freaking leave when you want. You're not able to come when you want. You're not able to – a 60-kilometer strip of land is the most densely populated strip of land in the entire world. Depression – is the highest uh, the highest rates of depression? I think the highest rates of, of child suicide are in Gaza. Okay, when you're living under those conditions, I have no idea how you're. Sp- like, I, I don't. I have no idea what that would feel like. So how can I judge anyone? Uh, any response to that, right? In the same breath, I can also say it's a tragic thing that innocent people died, and they're innocent people. And I think it's important to hold that complexity also for the Palestinian cause. I think it's important to not lose sight of our humanity in criticizing the grave injustices that Israel has committed and putting the blame squarely on Israel's shoulders that Hamas exists. Yeah, I think that's something squarely. that I, uh, I keep coming back to is whenever someone is just all about condemning Hamas, which is like, yes, as you mentioned, like uh, innocent people shouldn't have died. But I blame all the violence that's happening in Israel on Israel. Like, it's not. You, you, yeah, you can't just start like at a slave revolt yeah. as the like, beginning of history of slavery. It's like, no, actually, exactly. they did that for a reason and they had no other choice. And I mean, for Palestinians, I think like what's the, the biggest context that's missing is like they've tried everything. It's not mm-hmm. their first choice to to kill people that didn't deserve it. It's mm-hmm. I, I think 
I think that's what's been really annoying with the the people that have chosen to spoke to speak out that have never spoken out before. They are so narrow in their view of this that it's so damaging because they have so many followers or they're talking about the wrong things mm-hmm. and all of those mm-hmm. things like kind of perpetuate a really dangerous environment where like a six-year-old kid can get stabbed to death or I don't know. I agree with everything you said and I really appreciate you saying all those things. Um, Before I forget, we're going to take our first break. So Hmm. don't go anywhere. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Something you mentioned early on that I have been thinking about and getting getting really angry about is why people are surprised or like unexpecting you to speak out about Palestinians if you are not a Palestinian. I am not a Palestinian. I'm Syrian. And I am extremely vocal about the Palestinian cause and the Palestinian... I've always been 100% free Palestine till I die. And it's almost like surprising to people. Like, why are you so worked up? Like, why aren't you so worked up? Like that, that's what really gets me is your humanity and care. It shouldn't be contingent on your identity if you actually mm-hmm. give a shit. Um, and I think that's what I really want to like relate to people is... This is not the Palestinians' struggle solely for themselves. Like this is a struggle for all. Like if this genocide obliterates the Palestinian people, that's on humanity's shoulders. That's not like that is so indicative of how depraved humans have become. It's just so upsetting. It's just a complete obliteration. There has been videos of settlers saying they want to flatten the whole thing, make it a parking lot. Uh, 
I mean, I don't even have to tell you what like actual media and like politicians have been saying because it's like atrocious. But I think that's what I want to relate to people is like, if you're not, if you don't care, examine that because that is troubling to me. If you don't care about actual genocide and maybe that word has been used too much to like make people give a shit, but it really makes me question people's humanity when they are able to kind of just like shrug it off and continue about their day. I've been practicing being hopeful. I think it's really important, especially in times like these, to be hopeful because without hope, and it sounds cheesy, but it's true, we're not empowered, right? We're not able to act. And I think what's exciting, what's, what's I guess, heartening to me is actually the people's response mm-hmm. to what's happening. Yes, there are many influencers and celebrities that posted the wrong thing. I'm also seeing many that posted the right thing. Yeah. I'm also seeing many people that I'm surprised by. I'm seeing many people that I wasn't surprised by posting the wrong thing. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Frankly. <laughs> um, but I'm also seeing many people, white people, um, you know, black people, right? Like people of all kinds that are un- disconnected, you know, from an identity perspective to the Palestinian people doing so much, showing up. I went to the I was I, I saw images from the protest in uh, uh, the other day, and there and I'm not talking about the Jewish protest, which was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. What JVP did uh, with "If Not Now" in front of Chuck Schumer's house was yeah incredible, really right? That's that's solidarity. Yeah. That's tr- that's that's real, right? That's 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 humanity, right? That's what humanity should be. Um, that's real solidarity. I'm talking about the protest though that that was Palestinian led in Midtown. And I saw tons of Jews there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the Satmar anti-Zionist, you know, Hasidic Jews. Those are great, right? And they're, they're helpful. I'm talking about like regular, regular ass Jews, right? Like me, right? Like people with like not even wearing yarmulkes, like people with, you know, small yarmulkes that aren't like, you know, Hasidic or anything, holding up signs to help liberate the Palestinian people. In spite of the Hamas... Yeah. In spite of everything that happened, they showed up. They were not scared. A Palestinian flag doesn't scare them, right? It shouldn't scare um, anybody. Got, <laughs> it shouldn't. It yeah. shouldn't. But again, I, I want to be. I want to. I want to maintain my uh, my. Um, um, I guess view, I want to maintain the view of objectivity. Yeah. I think again, you know, devil's advocate. I think when when. And again, this is not, not me blaming, right? It's more so offering kind of a, a perspective to, to question um, how, to, how to move forward. Um, when people, Israelis, Jews, whoever, right, are indoctrinated to believe that um, Palestine means no place for me, okay? And then you couple that with the anger, anguish that the oppressed people are feeling and saying, yeah, fuck, fuck that, like, we we don't want you here, right? Like you you look what you're doing to us. I think that they view the Palestinian flag as a replacement of you know the flag of Israel, which many people actually kind of not many people, some people view it that way. And I think that the way I see it, and the way many people I know see it, it's a flag that re- represents 
liberation from oppression. Liberation of the Palestinian people who are being actively oppressed uh, by Zionism, right? An ideology, right? You know, perpetuated and executed by people, but it's still an ideology. Also, just like, because this always comes up, but being anti-Zionist has nothing to do with being anti-Semitic. And I think they always get conflated. And that's on purpose to make people afraid to speak up about Israel. I can only imagine how brainwashed Zionism becomes to like the whole, like the the education and everything. Like, is that something you experience like firsthand? Yeah, 100%. I think what, what we've seen over the last decade, right? The fact that Netanyahu has been in power for over 20 years, that's, that's like dictatorship level yeah. stuff. And people in America are like, oh yeah, the West, you know, at least there, there is a semblance of, you know, power to the people in the West, a semblance of it, right? We're seeing how much the media is in cahoots with, you know, power against the people right now, which is very, very scary. And everyone should be up in arms, no matter where your, your, your feelings lie. Um, but there is, you know, we, there's a new president, you know, every four years of a, a president is termed, right? You can't be, you can't be a president for more than two terms, right? These are real things, right? These are real protections. Uh, you have three different, uh, uh, branches of government, right? You have local level, lo- local government. You have so many different checks and balances that are, you know, corrupted and co-opted in certain ways, you know, through lobbyists, uh, um, and, and, you know, corporate interests, et cetera. I'm aware, but at least you have that system in Israel. That system doesn't exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's no constitution. Uh, and a prime minister can't be termed. And so now Bibi Netanyahu has been in power and figured out how to survive attempts on his throne many times over through building coalitions with right-wing extremists, which frankly are against his interests. Like he wanted to kind of perpetuate status quo and just kind of be in power. Like this is kind of made it difficult for him to just be the guy who kind of, you know, makes it, makes everything okay for Israelis. Right. Um, Now Israelis are scared shitless. Um, And so, but, but putting that aside and, and going back to your point, the Nakba was never even discussed until recent history. Like it was not like no one even knew what that word means. Right? We celebrated it as Yomat's Mot, Independence Day. So the Israeli Independence Day is the Palestinians' Nakba, which means That's the great terrible. tragedy for, yeah. for those who don't know. Um the catastrophe and is what they call it. The catastrophe, yes. Um, and so, but but what's interesting and, and very sad is that in recent years, because of the world, actually, and when Israelis tell you you don't know what you're talking about, don't comment on things you don't talk about, uh, that you don't know about, you most likely, if you've done any, any, literally any, if you read one book on Palestine, if you read On Palestine by Noam Chomsky and, and Ilan Pape, like, you know more than Israelis know about their own situation. And I, I say that wholeheartedly because I know what they study, right? They, they omit large swaths of information in order to form the psyche through the narrative that they perpetuate. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but because of recent external and global pressure, because of the fact that the world's, the new generation 
of young people have educated themselves on Palestine, you know, catalyzed, a lot of them catalyzed by the social justice movement, right? The Angela Davises, the Chomskys of the world, who always, since the 60s, have been talking about black liberation isn't complete without the liberation of the Palestinians, unifying struggles. They know more about history of Israel and Palestine than Israelis do, okay? I've always been super impressed, not like, not to say that people are dumb. I actually think people are very smart, right? If, if they're willing to look. Um, but every Palestinian friend of mine, every single one knows so much about Zionism and Zionist history, right? They're scholars of Zionist history, right? But Israel has no idea about Palestinians and Palestinian history. That's just, I think it's really unsettling because, I mean, for those who don't know, the catastrophe was like mass displacement, the, like the mass expul- expulsion of like 750,000 Palestinians, ethnic cleansing, massacres, extreme, like just a disgusting show of uh, forcing someone to leave their land and taking it over. Uh, it was uh, atrocious and hurt. And I, I think the fact that they can't even learn about power or like learn deeply about Palestine or Palestinians, it's like another way of ethnic cleansing and like forgetting they even exist. And I think that's exactly. very unsettling because it's, you can't just forget. I mean, at the same time, they say like history is written by the people that are in power, right? Or the people mm-hmm. that like win the war, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And they're very capable of convincing a big amount of people that like pal- like that they were never here. I think being hopeful is a practice. And I've definitely fallen into, you know, bouts of, of depression and, and, and helplessness. And hopelessness also. Um, I think we all do. But I think it behooves us to practice hopefulness, especially in times like these. Um, Because without it, we don't have the power to liberate the oppressed, right? Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's, it's, I I think it's also important. I keep saying the Palestinian struggle is the people's movement mm-hmm. all over the world, right? And we're seeing that. It's not me. I'm nobody. But but we're seeing that people understand that, right? Like I said, people are smart, right? You don't have to go to, you know, an Ivy League school to, to, to be intelligent, right? Paulo Freire talked about banking and uh, intelligence, right? When you just consume information from a teacher perpetuating the uh, perpetuating the injustices and, and maintaining the system of oppression, right? You can be as educated as you want in that form of education and not understand the world and understand the inequalities around you, right? But if you feel those inequalities, if you have that empathy, if you're able to expand your consciousness a little bit to, to, to also include those that you may not identify with or as, or, um, you know, that, that maybe are not tangible, their experience is not as tangible to you, then, then you, you, you're able to understand situations pretty clearly and easily. And I think the world is showing up because they understand that, right? Sure, the Arab world is showing up and that's incredible, right? Uh, because they understand, right? This is like what I always say is Palestine is the last kind of, like I said earlier, the last direct colonialist project that exists in the world. Direct, right? Um, in terms of uh, direct and active. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, colonialist project that exists in the world. And the Arab world, you know, if you read Edward Said and Orientalism, you understand 
how the West basically uh, created an othered kind of the Arab world in order to create that separation and division, in order to create, you know, uh, a world uh, uh, that serves self-interest, individualism versus kind of communitarianism um, and, and, and uh, of, of, of the kind of East. Um, and so when, when you think about it in, in that context, you start understanding that, you know, this is, in, this is a struggle against kind of Western imperialism, right? This is a struggle to free all oppressed people. Um, because that's what, that's what Zionism in Israel currently stands for. And everyone who perpetuates it and, and people that talk about intersectionality and anti-racism and all of that, and they still say, and they still don't understand that this is literally an, a real time manifestation of the shit that they've been reading in history books. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're seeing it and it's jarring and resistance is fucking jarring. Right. Like it, it was jarring to me. I could barely watch it. I had people crying. I'd, you know, and this, I didn't say this earlier, but I had, you know, family members that didn't want to speak to me and like, you know, people cursing at me and like friends from, you know, middle school sending me hate messages. My mom is receiving death threats. Wow. Right. Like this is real shit. Right. And so like, this isn't like an abstract, like, and, and so, you know, that's what, that's what people don't necessarily understand when they just approach it academically. And I, I, I commend them. And I think it's important to like, understand the, the intellectual context of things like I, i've done the work i've read the books but i think it's also important to kind of take a step back and contextualize things all around right and and, and only through that contextualization can we rehumanize um you know both the the oppressed and the oppressor in order to actually have a path forward that's inclusive of all that doesn't that doesn't pit people against each other Right. Yeah. Jews lived on that land for many years before Zionism. If you're a they scholar, all peacefully, of I want to say, like everyone lived just fine before yeah. the introduction of Zionism, which is a very modern, very fascist ideology. Not only Zionism, though, right? Like, think about Sykes Picot, right? The mm-hmm. the, the the British French uh, treaty that was signed in 1920 uh, that sliced up the Arab world um, according to their whim didn't take into account any uh, demographic, any ethnic ge- uh, uh, geographic relations, didn't take into account any any of that. And that is what set the tone for a lot of what we're seeing in the Arab world today, right? Compounded by the introduction of a European ideology into the, into the region that served European interests is what, is what we're seeing to this very day. And the Palestinians bear the biggest brunt of it. I wouldn't say like I would say like in recent years there's tragedies all around uh, uh, due to uh, Western imperialism and Western intervention, right? I, I take that back, right? Like I don't want to compare tragedies, um, but but the tragedy of the Palestinian people that there's no one really advocating on their behalf. Yeah, I was going to add a wrinkle that probably 99.9 percent of the population doesn't know, uh, including Palestinians and, and Arabs, um, because it was actively erased. But up until Sykes Picot. Up until Western imperialism, Arab Jews were an integral part of Arabic culture. Okay, in Iraq, my grandparents from Iraq, right? Iraq wasn't the Iraqi Jews were not Zionists. There were hundreds of thousands of Jews in Iraq that lived there since Babylonian times, right? There are many, you know, many empires that came through the Arab world, right? So displaced, replaced, etc. But they, they were there for hundreds of years at the minimum. Um, 
some would say some of them were actually not uh, there due to the Spanish Inquisition, right? Uh, but actually were there before and never left, basically. Um, and so, you know, they were musicians, you know, they played in Kusum, right? Like they they were, they were statesmen. They were, they were very integral part of the culture, right? And, and the, the, Arab, the, I have many Arab friends that do know this and they, they're like, yeah, like, like this is the biggest, it's the biggest, tra- one of the biggest tragedies is kind of the betrayal of the Arab Jew, right? And they understand, right? Like when it, it, at this point in time, and, and this is not only Iraq, this was Egypt and, you know, Yemen and Morocco, there's a huge Jewish community, yeah. right? Like these, these people live there. They're, they're, Nazism is not an Arabic concept. They're yeah. trying to paint Arabs as Nazis. Even growing up, I would go to Syria a lot. And my grandfather would like, he would only get bread at the Jewish bakery. Like he would take the walk and go there. And it was normal. No one cares. Yeah. Like no one gives a shit really what your religion is in no. those communities. And I think... I mean, this is obvious for people that are reading about all of this, but the media and Zionism and Israel, they're purposely conflating what's happening with religion Mm -hmm. to make it more complicated Mm -hmm. for people, to make it this like ancient battle of all time, when it's not about any kind of Muslim versus Jewish versus Arab versus whatever. It's it's really so simple to the point where it's Mm -hmm. kind of silly. And I think they make it so Mm -hmm. complicated for people to be scared to talk about it. They're, they're not informed enough. They don't know about religion. They don't know about the history. You don't have to know about any of that to know that mm-hmm. oppression is wrong and genocide is wrong. Mm-hmm. 100%. And every, every, um, every resistance movement in history was considered a terrorist yes. movement yeah. in modern times, right? Even Israeli militias, right? You had the Lehi, the Etzel, and the Haganah, okay? They were considered terrorist organizations because they would attack civilian British and they would attack civilian targets during the British mandate. Yep. Sound familiar? No, I mean, that's very important to bring up. (laughs) No, but you know what those, those three militias became? The IDF. The IDF. Exactly. The three militias that formed that, that formed the IDF once Israel was given statehood were considered terrorist organizations. The IRA terrorist organization, right? Nelson Mm -hmm. Mandela was on the U S terrorist watch list until 2000. These are real things. These are all facts. But I'm saying even, even if you're thinking about it from the perspective of attacking civilians, okay? Wrong, in my opinion. But when you don't have, if you look at, you look, actually, here, another, another fact, right? Look at what the Hezbollah is doing, mm-hmm. okay? They were, they were considered a terrorist organization. They're armed to the teeth. Israel's scared shitless of the, the Hezbollah threat. I'm hearing it from people on the ground, right? They're attacking military targets. They're showing the world that they can because they can. They used to not be able to. Now they can, so they are. When a population is is oppressed, suppressed to the level that the Gazans are, what what military do they have? Do they have F sixteen fighter jets that they can go and bomb? I don't know the the Kiryat. Did you guys know that the biggest military base in Israel is in the middle of Tel Aviv? Yeah, in a residential area, like very in a residential populated. area. Yeah. So what if what if what if the Gazans had F sixteen fighter? What if Hamas had F sixteen fighters? They wouldn't want to bomb that. Yeah. Like people are, are people that dense, like uh, that they don't understand how this thing works and what what oppression looks like, right? Uh, a lot of my Palestinian friends always say the world wants us to be the perfect victims. Yeah. And in a lot of, in a lot of senses, the burden is always on the victim, right? Mm-hmm. In these oppressive scenarios. So I always tell them, guys, like, 
we have to be smart. We have to make sure that, you know, again, I, I, I like it's, it's trauma that I can't, you know, I, I'm, I feel in my bones, but, but it's not, it's not directly happening to me. And, and, and so I can't, I'm not, it's not from a place of judgment. It's from a pragmatic perspective. We have to understand that that's the trap that they're setting for us. The Hamas enacted, the Hamas did exactly what the right-wing government wanted them to do in order to justify the plan that they had all along. I'm not going to go so far as to start perpetuating conspiracy theories because it's not my place. Um, so I'm not going to say that they planned this and it was you know, an inside job. I'm not going to say that. Um, but what I will say is it served the interests of the right-wing government. Yeah. And, and one thing I wanted to say, because I keep going off on tangents and I apologize. No, you're fine. But to your point about the Nakba, I said, in the last 10 years, it's pretty crazy to see the narrative shift. Israel has so, been so emboldened. They feel so invincible because of the international support that they have. Now they acknowledge the Nakba. Now they acknowledge the Nakba, but you know how they acknowledge it? They say, yeah, the Nakba happened. Let's do a second one. Yep. Right? And so now, they're, now all of a sudden the Nakba existed, right? Mm-hmm. And they're basically saying, hey, let's do a second one. All the, like, all the right-wing gover- uh, uh, government officials are saying the second Nakba. Let's do it now. Let's, let's. And that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I that's mean, what they're trying to do in Gaza. They're, it feels like the first one never ended. It feels like the first one just never ended, right? That, that I always, I always say that I agree. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, I'm talking about mass expulsion right now. They're trying to, they're trying under international, under everyone's noses, to uh, utilize genocide and ethnic cleansing to displace millions of Palestinians from Gaza. And God knows, I don't. They don't have a. They don't. This was like a biblical idea, right? Like the Judea and Samaria. This is not like a. There's no, there no like specific plans that people had. Like this is a biblical, fervent, ideological idea. They don't freaking know what they're doing. They they don't want to go. They they, they don't want to go to war with Iran. They're scared of the Hezbollah. Like these are real things. These are real threats. Like Israel hasn't fought a real opponent since uh, the '70s in the Yom Kippur War. That's what I'm trying to say. Like this showed how vulnerable they are, and they're scared. I'm telling you. Like I know the sentiment on the ground. Like people are scared out of their minds. They don't think. They're not very confident in in Israel's military, right? Like that's why they're bombing the shit, and like that's why they haven't invaded. They said they're going to invade. Bibi's talking this big game. They haven't done it yet because they're scared. To remember also is that the IDF. That's all I'll say. <laughs> does not actually act in the best interests of the civilians. If anything, like no. there was like a report from an Israeli woman that who survived the the massacre at the music festival that said mm-hmm. a lot of them were shot by like their own forces. It yeah. was like indiscriminate yeah. shooting. The biggest casualties for for Israeli soldiers up until this this was was friendly fire. Yeah, Every, like that's a, that's like, that's. Uh, I mean, I just so think that's so absurd. important to remember because it's uh, they're framed as this very like ideal warrior bullshit, mm-hmm. and it's so far from the truth. And that's what I'm saying. They're 18 year old kids. Yeah, these aren't like U.S. like Marines that are career assassins like have you ever seen a u.s marine next to an israeli soldier <laughs> no i'm serious like like no, I, I know like, Texas i mean it's, Rangers, very, it's become a trend they're... to be a soldier if anything it's like very like you see these like young people almost like a, yeah exactly it's like a very um cool thing to do uh when it's there was really never a cool. threat though israel yeah. israel has been you, you've grown up in israel believing that you're the most powerful entity and you can do whatever you want whenever you want 
right? Yeah. And and that notion has been shaken to its core. And if you're part of the propaganda machine, if, you, if you're caught in the propaganda machine that is kind of Zionist Israeli ideology, you're basically now, your whole world has crumbled beneath you, mm-hmm. right? You're completely in survival mode. Everyone's posting, everyone's like, you have to eradicate Hamas. They're not even eradicating Hamas. What are they doing? They're just emboldening Hamas. Like this happens all the time. It's just happening on a much bigger scale right now. Every like any Hamas leader that the thing I was basically looking for like a big like a major Hamas leadership you know attack and and once they're able to to neutralize you know in their words uh, uh, numerous uh, high ranking officials I think they'll declare victory even though they they they're not going to be victorious they're not going to bring back the fourteen hundred. Uh, I mean, they're also going killed. to kill the hostages at this rate. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like... They've already killed more than 22. Yeah, that, that's... How much do you actually care about your civilians and the hostage, like the foreign hostages either? Like, it's... You're... But... but I don't know. They're just clearly showing their ass, in my opinion. I, I want to I have a clear message, though, to um, kind of people that are on the fence in the West that are being fed propaganda through... Uh, Western media outlets that is quite clear at this point, and some of them recognize this, and that's why they come to my page and they're like, "Oh, you know, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know." Um, in Israel, there are many people, not not even ideologically, that want to bring the hostages back and don't understand why Israel is doing what it's doing mm-hmm. before, and and not even talking to them about the hostages. Yeah, I've seen videos of them like pleading, being like, "Please, pleading. just yeah." And I'm not talking about left-wing activists. I'm talking yeah. about like average Israelis, right? Netanyahu has failed the Israeli people. That attack, the fact that, and again, this I don't know if people know this, right? People who know, know, but maybe some, some don't. That attack was a complete military failure on behalf of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that happened because over the last six to nine months since the right-wing government took place, uh, took, uh, took power, They've been using the IDF to support, empower, embolden, and protect settlers in the West Bank. And that's why settler attacks have increased. That's why settlements have increased. That's why there are more settlers than ever before. And what they were doing on that very day, people don't already know, I hope they do, but if they don't already know, the IDF was in the West Bank on Sukkot, which is a Jewish holiday, and they were protecting settlers uh, in building a sukkah, that structure that, that people sit in, in the middle of Hawara, a Palestinian village. And they've been, they were protecting them and, and chaperoning them so that they can break into a Palestinian village to build a sukkah in order to antagonize Palestinians. That's Say what you may about anything else. The fact that that is the priority of the government. You know, you're doing the oppression. You're already committing the oppression. Mm-hmm. You're already subjugating the, the Palestinian people. You know that Hamas is, is Hamas. You're going to remove the security forces from the border mm-hmm. to embolden and empower settlers instead? Yeah, it's shameful. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's, it's – I mean, that's why – the most unsettling things I've seen coming out of Israel are those right-wing protests where they're like death to Arabs and whatever, or like they're attacking people and the IDF is like either helping them or standing by.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If you're on the fence about this still, you are literally for genocide. Those are the two differences. It's either you're for genocide or you're against genocide. And if you're considering the options, examine yourself. That's not that's not right. I was just sent this tweet. Apparently, yesterday, uh, the Twitter for Israeli Prime Minister at Israel PM said, this is a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness, between humanity mm-hmm. and the law of the jungle. Are you fucking kidding me? That's like Nazi Hitler shit. Are you? There are so many lives that have already been lost and the ones that have not been lost are never going to recover. They've lost so much other than their life. <laughs> there are so many terrifying and horrific videos that I've seen that no one should have to go through. and. Not only are they going through it, they're getting funded and encouraged by most of the world. I cannot accept that. I, I mm, sorry, I don't want to cry, but I might. <laughs> I mean, it's that's where we're at at this point. No, but I, I appreciate you being here to get through to people who might still be considering what's happening as a both sides thing or a justification for anything when they see tweets like that or when they see justification for killing all the people because they're all barbarians or whatever it is i urge you i urge you to seek out palestinian sources of news actually see what's happening in gaza listen to people who are not advertising anything to you and it's like pleading for their lives um i i just this can't be how we end up as a people. I, it's I think, very, very sad. 
it's extremely un like no words to describe how devastating and i think if you are listening and you are wondering what to do there are places you can donate to i can put some links in the description of sources that i trust um of people to follow and all that stuff so you can look at the description for that um i think what's very important that people maybe aren't taking too seriously is how important social media and like spreading awareness has been because the only reason the resistance has come this far is because of that because more people are aware about what's going on and people aren't accepting that israel is doing this so Mm -hmm. i think we just can't stop like as much as they want the world to forget that palestinians were even there we cannot forget palestinians and i'm not i'm not going to stop talking about it and you shouldn't either here, this is this is why I'm speaking out. I just got a message from Palestinian friends. You are our voice now. We're not allowed to spit out a lip. They are arresting anyone who speaks or shares the truth. Please, I beg you, don't give up on our people in Gaza. We need your voice to stop the genocide. Thousands of lives have already been taken. We can't stand this anymore. Please listen to that, everybody. Please. It's very hard to fathom and and internalize what's happening yeah it's it's a lot and we're privileged enough to think about it that deeply people in gaza palestinians they don't have the luxury of no of anything other than their no. nightmare of a reality no um i i, I want to add shereen just yeah yeah because i think that the biggest kind of pushback that we keep hearing is hamas this hamas that yes please yeah and I think that, again, remembering what we kind of mentioned earlier in the call, how liberation movements for occupied peoples have always been deemed uh, terrorist organizations and, you know, even targeted civilians, right? So not only like by the definition of terrorist organizations are terrorist organizations. So even if that's what we believe, and, and let's just say that that's, you know, we, we accept and agree that that's what... Hamas is. Um, I think it's important to understand that terrorist organizations have become political organizations time and time again. And I think that it's also important to understand historically the Hamas uh, as as an entity, again, I remind you, was created and partially created and funded by the state of Israel, emboldened by the state of Israel because I want to be very clear. Up until the 90s, right, Oslo Accords, the peace process, people say, oh, the Palestinians didn't want peace. To your point earlier, the Palestinians were willing to take mm-hmm. almost anything at that point. Arafat, who was considered a terrorist before he became a statesman, right, was on the table with Rabin, had a, uh, an agreement in place, okay? And then people don't know. If you're not a scholar and you don't know, you should know. Bauch Goldstein. An Israeli terrorist came in to a mosque. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in Hebron. I don't remember exactly. And he killed more than 30 people during prayer, just indiscriminately shot innocent people in a mosque. So the biggest, one of the biggest tragedies, right? And then he was, he was um, not only did they, the response, you know, uh, Rabin's response to that was, it was locking down Hebron, mm-hmm. the Palestinians in Hebron. So, because he was fearful of what the Palestinians would do in retaliation, the immediate response by Rabin was locking down the people of Hebron, 
okay, instead of going and doing something about the settlers that committed the crime or that emboldened the person committing the crime. That's number one. Number two, um, that sparked the retaliation because when people don't have justice, they take justice in their own hands. So that sparked this series of uh, uh, attacks in Israel, right? Devastating attacks in Israel. But it was that that did that. And it was his, he could have, he could have handled that differently, but he didn't. Right. And, and, and that was what sparked the response. Then in turn, okay, again, who putting that aside, right. And, and sorry, little tidbit, his, uh, grave, Mm -hmm. Baruch Goldstein's grave is guarded by the IDF. As some and many, many, many consider him a national hero. Yeah, I've seen photos of people like crying at his grave, like it's yes. he's saved their family yes. or something. When he's not just yes. when he literally just like went to a mosque with a gun yes. and shot thirty people who were fucking praying. Yes, and that's it's what rotten. people people are idolizing. Exactly, it's rotten to its core. Is my point. This is what you're supporting when you support the state of Israel. Okay, this is part of part of this is part of what you're supporting. Now, taking a second step. Rabin was assassinated by a Jewish Israeli, not by a Palestinian. Even in spite of everything, the peace process was still going on because the, the, they did everything to foil it, right? And then they assassinated the Israeli prime minister. And ever since then, right, then you had uh, Ariel Sharon uh, and, and whatever uh, that tried to continue a peace process and you know, some capacity, but ever since then, for the last 23 years, no one has been talking about a peace process. They blamed, they blame the Palestinians for every act of resistance. They don't listen. They believe that they, they talk uh, the way that um, politicians discuss the Palestinian um, kind of oppression is uh, managing the occupation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Managing the occupation. No one's talking about peace, not left, left, pseudo left, whatever you want to call it not liberal Zionist left or center or right. No one is talking about peace. No one is talking about any semblance of peace. I find it very particular, right? And this is my, this is why I'm saying we live in the twilight zone <laughs> that in Donald Trump's four years in office. Okay. It, he, his, he had Kushner that, that you know, I'd say what all the bad things, right. Mm-hmm. About his, about his behavior. He was trying to, through normalization deals with the Arab world, trying to get a deal for the Palestinian people, albeit the most absurd sort of deal, if you ever read what, what the Abraham Accords actually entailed, right? Like weird, like highways and weird, right? Like not a deal that anyone should have accepted. But putting that aside, he was talking about it. There was discussion. There was Palestinian, like the word Palestinian was being said by the office of the president. In the last four years that Biden was in office, no one said anything. No one did anything to advance peace. No one even brought a bogus deal like Jared Kushner to the table. I don't make it make sense. I don't understand. They basically bought into the Zionist idea that we can just live, continue living while millions of people are being oppressed and occupied. This is the Democratic Party, and that's why we see the media now. The way it is, because they're, they're they're controlling the media narrative too, right? So open your eyes, see it for what it is, right? 
don't get cloud. Don't let your judgment get clouded by this two side BS aspect. Hold space for the killing of innocent civilians, including the killing of Israeli innocent civilians, while simultaneously understanding that this is all because of the aggression of colonialism and specifically the perpetuation of the Zionist project as a colonialist, nationalist, uh, ethnostate. And, and, and that is what I ask of you guys to do, right? Um, yeah. Thank you for that. That's, I think, a great place to end. Uh, thank you again for joining me. You are just... Uh, as your Palestinian friends said in that message, uh, your voice is really critical because people will more likely listen to you than to a Palestinian. So uh, I very much thank you for your activism. Um, and I don't know, it's we're not living in a just world. And so we nope. just have to stick together. I also want to mention the other reason why social media is so important is like one there's a there's a reason they cut electricity to gaza they don't want anything coming mm -hmm. out of there they want them to die in a blackout and two they are literally arresting people for following palestinian accounts now yeah so i mean if that's not totalitarianism like what the fuck is i don't what well, anyway so uh that's it for today i can't i don't think i can do anymore <laughs> but Again, I'll put some sources in the description to donate to, to keep raising awareness. If you have people in your circles that are still hesitant about having a stance on this, like have conversations. It shouldn't be complicated. It really shouldn't be because it's not. And that's all, that's all I have. So thanks everybody. Thank you for having me. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.